0: Hey, everybody. Good to see you uh, this morning. Uh, I'm David, and uh, we are in our next week of our series that we're doing, Summer on the Mount, when we're we're, we're working through Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been to like uh, a wedding or a party, or maybe just like a golden corral on a good day, but you go and you you walk up and there's this huge spread of food, and it just all looks like so amazing, so good, and so you're like, yeah, a slice of ham, sure, uh, you know, prime rib, sliced with that big long knife, yes, I'll take some of that, right? Buttery mashed potatoes, bacon, green beans, dinner rolls, yeah. Oh, and there's there's uh, fried chicken over there. I'll take a second main dish, right? Like, and and you 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 get all this food, and your plate. is piled so high and you go to sit down and you just start thanking Jesus for good food, right? And you get about halfway done and suddenly you realize you took way too much food, right? Like half of your food is still there and you're stuffed. Have you ever had that experience? Guilty, right? Let me tell you, uh, let me, this is how this ties in. This week when I sat down to prepare for our message Uh, that's the exact experience I had our, my, my eyes, uh, were bigger than my belly in what we could take on. And we were originally going to look at Matthew 5, 21 through 32 today. It's really only 11 verses. Uh, we are trying to get through the entire sermon on the Mount over these, these next couple of months. And, and I thought, okay, this is a good section. There's continuity here. We're going to go ahead and do this. But you know, as I sat down on Monday, with this plate of scripture and looked at it, you know all, all, all that is contained in it. Oh, just the light, easy topics of anger and murder and lust and adultery and divorce, right? Just those simple, easy things that we can tackle quickly. No, like I realized, I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is way more than we than we can really chew." And so here's what here's what we're gonna do uh, today. I am just gonna cover verses 21 through about 26 where Jesus talks about anger and talks about this law of, of murder. And uh, and the reason is because uh I think for most of us right now in this moment of time, for most of us that's probably the most important thing to talk about. It's Jesus is going to speak to us right where we we're at, where we need to hear it. This all means that I'm not going to address today some of these really uh critical topics of adultery and divorce. And I'm not trying to skip them. Uh, I'm really not. I'm not trying to avoid them. I just don't think that I can do them justice, what Jesus says justice in the time that we have today. And I really don't want to do anybody an injustice. As I know, these are things that deeply affect uh, people's lives. And so we are going to let today's scripture be enough for today and get into it, uh, and maybe I'll be able to tie some of that in next week. Today's message is titled, Do Not Murder Check. We're going to read it in one second. If you've got a Bible or want to follow along on your phone, I'd really encourage you to do that. Why don't we, we go ahead and prepare to hear God's word in our hearts and our minds. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for today, for this day, for your mercy, for your grace, for the fact that you're not just the light there at the end that we're going for, but you are the light that guides us. You're the good father who is with us in every single moment, just like Christian said. And, and we give you thanks for that. And as we come to you now in this moment, I just pray that, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of, of every heart here would, would be, be pleasing in your sight, that we would have softness in our hearts, that we would have a desire not to just be here and check off a box, but that we, we would open up and make space for your Holy Spirit to work in our lives. So you're living an active word. And Lord, make us be who you've made us to be through your word this day. It's in your name we pray, Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All right. Start Matthew 5, 21. Let's go ahead and read this first verse. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Let's read it again. This is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. He's helped us uh, see the world upside down in the Beatitudes. He has now talked to us about who we are in the world. Last week, salt and light. Now he's speaking us about some real life situations, some real life things like Murder and adultery and divorce. And this is what he says. You have heard it. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Okay, so just pause here for a second. As we get into these topics, one of the things that you're going to see Jesus do over and over again is repeat this pattern. I want us to understand it. And it always begins with this phrase You have heard it said. You've heard it said. And what Jesus is doing there when, when he makes that phrase is he's, he's saying, this is the common understanding that you guys have. And specifically that you guys probably have of the Hebrew Bible, the scriptures, God's law. This is the street understanding that you have at the time. And I'm acknowledging it. I'm bringing it up. And it's interesting. Uh, a lot of the times that was actually accurate understandings of the Hebrew scriptures that he's going to work us through. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes people today think things are in the Bible that are not right. But this one is. And when Jesus says, do not murder, what he's doing here in this first topic is he is taking us to one of the most well-known passages in the entire Bible, the Exodus 20, the 10 commandments. He is taking us to the sixth commandment, do not murder. You've heard that, you know, the 10 commandments, do not murder. And then he's referring to later where in the law, God lays out judgment for people who commit and break the commandment of murder, right? And, and that's what he's doing. That's where he starts. And I just want to step back for a second and say, of all the, the real life topics that Jesus could have begun with, this is really an, an interesting place for him to start with murder. Because one, it's not like this is a hard commandment to understand. This is uh, rather clear. There's not a lot of gray in murder, right? You, you either... Do they have a pulse, right? Like it's, it's pretty simple to, to understand what that is. Secondly, what is surprising is this is also not something that I think the vast majority of people are, are struggling with or tempted by the murder, right? It's not like people are in church, small groups saying, hey guys, how can we pray for each other this week? And someone's like, well, I'm really struggling with murder, right? Like it's just not, it's just not there atop of the list, right? He could have picked a, another one, like uh, another Ten commandment. Do not put any other God before me. Don't have an idol. That's, that's a real life one. Honor thy father and mother, right? Anybody wondering about that one in your house, right? Like those are things that, that we're dealing with, but you get to number six. Most of us are like, do not murder. And we say, oh, okay, check. I actually am good, On that one, right? So why does Jesus start here? It's kind of an important thing to think about. I think it'll clarify as we move forward. I want to read the second verse, okay? So here's the first one again. You have heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you. But I tell you. This is the second part of this pattern that we're going to see repeated over and over again. And uh, if we're not careful, when Jesus says, but I tell you, what we're going to do if we just drop down into the scripture right there is we might get the impression that this was the Hebrew scripture and what Jesus is saying, but I'm going to give you a new understanding or uh, I'm going to tell you something that contradicts the Hebrew scripture. I want us to really not think that at all, because that's not what's going on. And, and we, we need to revisit what we talked about last week. Uh, he's not saying this is what the Bible says, but I'm going to tell you what it really says. No, he's, he's what Jesus is doing. Matthew five seventeen, He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but fill them not come to get rid of the smallest iota. In that law, I'm here to fulfill it, right? So what Jesus is trying to be clear about, right before he goes into these specific topics, this is not God's plan B. I am not teaching you something new, right? I'm not here to apologize for the God of the Old Testament who you didn't understand and who made you uncomfortable. We're the same. What he's saying is, but I say to you, I want you to really understand what, what many of you have struggled to understand all along about God's law. I, I want you to pay attention. But I say to you, that was a, a, a tool that rabbis used in their speech. to They focus in now on what I listen to what I'm saying. Don't pass over this. Don't just say, do not murder. Check. I'm good. I tell you. So, so he says, do not, do not murder. You've heard it said, do not murder. And if you do your subject to judgment, and I tell you, what does he say? Anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So he just said, do not murder. And if you do, you'll be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who's even angry with a brother or a sister will be subject to judgment. It's a parallel. He's making a sort of equivalency there. And what, I I don't know about you, but when I first heard Jesus's words, when I read this passage, it made me a little uncomfortable because murder and anger are very different things in my mind. I bet they are in yours too. Like uh, I don't think that people who take the life of someone else are really subject or to the same judgment it's the same word in the greek by the way or have committed the same level of crime as someone who's just angry at someone else right and and i think that's where most people are like i, I don't know how you couldn't be there right and and so like, I, I think that we realize that anger is bad. I think that's what everybody who listened to Jesus would have thought. It's not good if someone hurts you and you get upset and you swear and then you kick something, right? Nobody's going to look at that and say, oh, okay, you know, that's, that's not bad. We recognize that's bad, but it's not the same in any of our minds as walking over to someone who are upset at and slitting their throat, right? And, and yet, Jesus is, is saying, no, there's, there's more here, that's the same, then you realize, it. but I tell you, it's not just don't murder, it's anybody who's even angry at a brother or sister who's subject to judgment. What is, what is he saying, right? What, what is Jesus actually wanting us to see? I think this will help. In the Greek, there are actually two words for anger, and the first word is thumos. Thumos, right? And what is Thumos anger? It's a it's a quick kind of flare up anger. It it dies up and then comes back down real quick. It's when someone uh, isn't watching what they're doing and they step on your toe, and you're like, dude, right? But then you're over it, right? It's 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 not a deep kind of anger, right? That that's Thumos anger. The other kind of anger that they they talked about in Greek language was it's called. Orge anger. And orge is, is thicker. It's the kind of anger where we start to develop roots with it, right? It bubbles underneath the surface. Orge is, is not a paper cut. It's an infection that we carry with us. And, and this is the word that Jesus uses when he says, anyone who is angry, says, anyone who is orge, at a brother or sister is subject to judgment. And he actually uses it in the present tense. So you could actually translate this. Anyone who is carrying around anger with them right now with their brother or sister is subject to judgment. Anyone who is running the tape in their head and playing with anger fantasies in their mind is subject to judgment. Really serious judgment, says Jesus, just kind of like murder. And what I, what, I, what I think that kind of understanding of the language Jesus uses and his statement, what, what I think he's really after is he's trying to say, you might not think that anger and murder are the same. But it's actually a much slippery slope than, than you realize. What, what I need you to see is that they're not as far as, as you think they are. Because when you get to the point of orge anger, when there's something always there bubbling beneath the surface, when you're carrying that with you, you can't keep that in you. The thing about orge anger, and I think you and I know this, is that you can't always control it. It just seeps out in our lives, right? It it starts to make its way into our actions and our interactions and, and, and we don't have control of it. And you know one of the first places that, that anger uh, com- comes out when we lose control? Your mouth. That's, I think, for most of us, probably where it happens first. We start to lose control of the things that we say. And we start saying things out of that orge, anger, right? You relate to that? You ever said anything out of anger who hasn't um, our anger shows up for us out of our mouths in different forms. Some of it's sarcasm, right? We, we say things uh, sarcastically quick because we're upset and that's how we have come to express it to defend ourselves, right? Uh, sometimes we do it. Anger comes out as gossip or a critical dig at something else in some way. Um, sometimes the anger comes out in sharp responses that are not proportionate to the questions or the conversations that we're having, right? And, and what I find so interesting is that after Jesus gives this warning about orge anger and what it can do for us, open the spiral that it can take you down, what is the next thing that he talks about? Exactly what comes out of our mouths. Here's the next verse. Again, Jesus says, anyone who says to a brother or sister Raka is answerable to the court. What's that about Raka? Well, it's actually not a Hebrew word from the Old Testament. It's not a Greek word from the New Testament. It's an Aramaic word. It's really the word that people spoke on the street so that everybody from every different background had a common language to speak together. And Raka from Aramaic is kind of like a mild curse word. It is, uh, it is not like as bad as like bad curse words, but uh, your mama's still gonna scold you, right? Like, and to, to tell you specifically what it means, it, it's it's a way of calling somebody really dumb. Uh, it's kind of the equivalent of uh, a a not intelligent donkey. Wait a second, you got it right? Okay, um, it's a, it's an insult to someone's intelligence, and Jesus is saying. If you get angry to the point where you insult someone's intelligence, you say, you're dumb. That was a stupid thing you did. I don't know why you did that. What does he say? You might have to give an answer in court for your foul language. And we might skip over that, right? I think I don't have to go to court for what I say. But actually, I think there's uh, many of us may have said something out of anger at some point or another and had to give an account we had to actually go back and, and say, I shouldn't have said that, right? Like, actually, we're held accountable for the mean things that we said, and we had to give an answer for it. And we were embarrassed, and we realized we messed up, right? Uh, maybe it made us more angry, right? But that, that's what Jesus is saying, is that when that slips out, when you start to spiral there, your anger has beginning of consequences. It's subject to judgment, All right? Let's read the next verse. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fires of hell, the fire of hell. Right? So we might think that this is just like another way to say the same thing, like Raka and actually in English fool, we think about intelligence, right? It's actually not what's happening here. In fact, what Jesus is doing is he's going down another circle on the spiral here, and he's identifying Another thing that people would say, you fool, fool actually comes from the Greek word more, which is where we get the word moron from. Uh, in Greek, actually, more has nothing to do with intelligence and it actually has everything to do with morality. And so, what Jesus is saying, when you say you fool, you're actually attacking their character, who they are as a person. Like like the way that, that they are a human being, there's something less than or, or lacking or wrong with it. And you say you fool, you're saying we're not on equal footing right now, right? You, I, you are not the same as me, right? And when we get there, Jesus says, when you start attacking the character of another person, where are you? You're standing in the, in the fires of hell. You're being consumed from the inside, right? Consume others from the outside. Jesus doesn't say this, but in English, I think that when we get to this point of angry, I I think actually the word that we have best in English that describes it is the word hate. Anger actually takes us to the point of hatred. Anger moves us there. And, And I don't... Hate is in the word that we kind of throw around today in our culture, sometimes on protest signs and memes. Sometimes there's a real understanding of what hate is there. Sometimes hate in those situations has been diluted down to just mean somebody who disagrees with me and wants a different outcome, something than I do. That's not hate and that's not helpful. Okay. Hate is, I think it is best understood is a state of anger that changes the way we see a person. It changes the way we see a people, right? And when we see them, when we're hating them, we're seeing them as less than you fool, this character dig when we no longer see them as an equal. And that's when we're hating them. And when we get to that point, it's really, really, our anger has absolutely consumed us. And, 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 you know, I was thinking about, like, one of the ways that anger, that I've seen anger do this, kind of move us along. It's actually one of the biggest illustrations of it is in marriage. It, it, it's, it's in marriage. It's, um, it's incredible to me how two people can, at the beginning of a relationship, really enjoy each other and like each other. And 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 want the best for one another, and see the best in one another. And when one makes a mistake, they can say, "Oh, you know, you made an error, and you're you're a wonderful, incredible person that I love." And then over time, relationship inevitably there's miscommunications and misunderstandings, and someone gets hurt. Right? And sometimes we do hurts but sometimes we don't deal with them as well and sometimes they, they they get compounded by other hurts and other pains and other lacks of communication and we don't work on on the feelings that we have and the anger that rises up and suddenly what what happens? time is that this person that you deeply loved you begin to see them in an entirely different light and no longer do they seem like a good person who's messing up they seem like a person who's horrible and terrible and everything they see against is do is against you and and what's happened there is that your anger has really moved you along a path towards this word where it's overcome is called hate and And it's not to, I'm I'm not, when I think about this, it's not that like there aren't legitimate hurts and pains. There absolutely are. And there are things that have to get worked through. But I think anger is the thing that can change the way that we see somebody. Whether we see them in their best light or whether we see them out of our anger, I I think we've got to recognize that a lot of times that's the thing that's changed. It's, It's our Perception, and why we can have spouses and friends who later become terrible enemies—at least in our perceptions—and uh, and if if we don't work through those things, we can't heal. If we don't work through that anger, we can't repair that relationship. You know, one other thing that's really interesting about marriage: hating your spouse or your ex or your or your ex isn't isn't murder. By, by any means, right? If you get to that point. But you know uh, who police will check. Investigators will check is one of the leading causes when, when a spouse is killed. Uh, one of the first statistical people they need to go check on and investigate. It's, it's the other spouse, right? And I think that speaks to Jesus saying, it's not as far as you think it is. And I, I just think this is important to see and understanding. what what Jesus is saying here. Even if you get to the point of of hate, you you, you haven't technically broken God's law. At least not this commandment, thou shalt not murder, right? You could actually hate people deeply and work through the 10 commandments and get to number six and say, check, I'm still good. I haven't done anything to anyone. But you know what you also have not done? You have not fulfilled God's law. You might not, not be breaking it. But I think what Jesus is trying to tell us is you for sure aren't fulfilling God's law when you haven't gotten to the point where you're trying to love your neighbor as yourself, where you're trying to see them as an evil and love them in that way. And, and remember, this is what he's telling us. He's come to do and show us. I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, to show you a better way to be human, to manage and deal with and respond to this anger that so easily rises up in us and takes us takes us to places we don't want to go. And if you're going to be salt and light in the world, and that's who you are, which is what Jesus says, you've got, you're going to need to think not just about not murder, you're going to need to think about what it means to fulfill God's law to love. And and there, Jesus is going to take us to uh, here in the next verse is called the reconciliation. Moving towards that. I I want to keep reading. Verse 23. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and hold up one second. Therefore, that means because I've said all this about anger, all this about what it means to, 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 Thou shalt not murder is way more than thou shalt not murder. This is how you respond to it. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. What does he want us to do? Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. I just want you to, to, to picture what Jesus is actually asking us to do here. You're, you're a Jew, right? And you are there in Jerusalem at the temple offering a sacrifice. It's time to do that. And you're, you're there and maybe you have a dove or a lamb or if it's been a really rough year, you're sitting there with a bull, right? And, uh, and you're, you're there at the altar with the priest. This is the picture Jesus is painting and he, you're right about to do your thing and you, and you sit there and suddenly you remember in your mind, oh man, back in Galilee, he, ah, he, he's upset with me right now. He's got something against me. And this word, if he has something against you, it's not a big thing. It's, it's really anything. If he has anything against me. What does Jesus say we're supposed to do in that situation? I guess you take that bull back and like you tie it up on a tree and then you take a trek back to Galilee, which is where Jesus is speaking from in this moment. It's actually a three day trip from Jerusalem. So you go three days back, you go find Ben Jacob and you say, Hey man, I'm, I I, I know I messed up. I know you're upset with me. You talk. You talk to do the work of reconciliation, you get some movement on repairing that relationship. Then you come back, right? Three more days back, you untie your bowl, you head back in, right? And then you go and and you give your offering to God. That's what Jesus is telling us to do. And it's incredible, right? That six more days... Before you give that sacrifice, like certainly there's a little bit of hyperbole in what Jesus is saying, but um, I think what Jesus is also saying is this really, really matters. This really matters. If you want to fulfill the law, you can't just leave these things hanging out there. If you want to be salt and light, you have to deal with this differently. You, you have to deal with your anger. You have to work for reconciliation in your relationship. Okay? And, and so just step back. Let, let's just summarize what Jesus has said. One, if you're angry, deal with that anger really fast. Don't let it fester. Don't let your anger turn into orge. Two, right? Don't just do the minimum in dealing with your anger. You need to fulfill the law, you need to actually be reconciled to people. That's what he said. And I want you to understand that. And I'm instead of actually talking about what reconciliation is, because it's a huge topic in and of itself. I actually want to step back and, and give you another thought that I think is extremely relevant for your and my life right here, right now, today. Okay. When I was in, um, high school playing, uh, basketball, I remember one day <clears throat> in practice where I had a teammate who, um, kind of had a tantrum he went up for a shot kind of down there in the lane and, and the guy who was guarding him just hacked him so hard and so like to no one's surprise my teammate was like dude like what are you doing and he kind of came up you know like people doing basketball right and he kind of gave him like a little push you know angry and that wasn't surprising but then like I don't know something turned and this dude just shoved this guy on the ground and he got up in his face and then he walked over and he like, and he kicked the mat and punched the wall. And then he, he went over and just was like yelling and shouting and screaming. And my coach, it was, I remember looking at my coach thinking like, what is, what is he like? Are you going to intervene here? Are you going to do something? My coach just kind of said his name and watched. And after this teammate kind of cooled down, uh, the coach walked up to him and said something like, uh, I know you're upset. I know you know you just messed up. Why don't you just head over into the locker room and, and, and cool down, and you and I can talk after practice? And that's, that's, that's what he did. And I was thinking about that, not only because it was one of the most incredible instances I've ever seen of anger come out, but because I think now as an adult, I realized my coach knew something that I didn't know as a high schooler at the time. And he knew that, that that teammate of mine had something else going on in his life that got him to the point where he was that mad. And, and I think th- my coach knew that he needed to let this kid have that moment. And I don't think he was excusing what he was doing, but he recognized that he needed some more help in dealing with that. And there was far more going on the, than, than, than we realized. This kid was under a lot of pressure led him to make this choice to, to let anger. And the reason I share that is because I want to remind you and tell you every single person right now has a lot more going on underneath the surface, okay? We need, we need to remember that. You do. I do. We are months into crazy. We are months into uncertainty. We aren't sure what things look like exactly from here. And what I think we need to do is not necessarily excuse outbursts of anger. That's not what I'm saying. But I think we may need to recognize that people are gonna have some moments. And I I think we need to not expect people to be perfect right now. I I think we would be very wise to, to, to give people some space in the way that they're going to need space. And, and so I just want to offer you just a couple of thoughts from this passage that I think will help all of us navigate things right now. Here's the first. I want you to give grace to one another in your lives right now, to the people around you, right? Let's not demand that others are perfect, right? And I'm not excusing imperfection or sin, but I'm saying if, if it happens, don't turn up your nose, turn up the grace and give people a chance to be anything other than human. Next, I want you to be aware of your own anger. We need to take temperature checks on the regular right now. If you find yourself being more critical or, or, or wound up, Right? You're probably angry. If you're digging at someone, if you're, if you're, what is this person doing like that? dumb? Like you're probably actually being led by your anger, and you need to have an awareness that that's happening to every single one of us right now. And then finally, I think you need to be reconciled, ASAP. Okay? When you see that anger, when you recognize it, by grace, start with it. Okay? What we do now in planting seeds of anger, we could be dealing with the fruits of that for a long time into the future. And we instead want to stop those things from growing and spiraling. And so if you have something against someone, or if you know that someone has something against you, I think we need to to start the work of preparing relationships and maybe that's big and we don't know where it starts. Just begin. Talk to someone and say, how do I do this? People are going to make a difference in the world, right? Now. A more gracious. World. We can be a part of that committed to Jesus. All right. Right now we're going to enter into our time of prayer. Uh, I I don't want you just to hear the word. I want you to respond to the word. So what I want us to do is, is really take a moment and pray and reflect on the things that we've heard. If God has been speaking to your heart and mind, if there's a name that's come into your heart, if you're here in worship and something you're at the altar and something comes to mind, right? This is the Holy Spirit moving you to deal with that. And, uh, and, and if you just feel like you're a mess right now and you need someone to pray with you and for you and to help Jesus reorient your life, if you want or need to recommit your heart to the Lord, do that. Uh, Please don't hesitate to to pray, to meet with God, and to text in the word prayer if you need someone to help guide you and lead you. Uh, I'm gonna lead us into prayer right now. Let's respond by God's grace. Lord Jesus, I wanna thank you so much for uh, the good work that you want to do in our hearts and can do through our hearts and in this world and Lord in all the ways that we need you Lord we need you right now and we're calling on you and asking you to be uh, in our lives and Lord if there is a way that we're getting convicted by the power of your spirit with our anger Would you move us to act? Would you move us to reach out, to start repairing that relationship? And Lord, would you help build a church that really is different so in that difference we can change the world? Lord, I pray for everyone here this morning that they would respond as you call us to. And Jesus, we, your people, want to pray these words that you taught us to say. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done